and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 174. I am your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are discussing the original series' third season episodes, Alon of Troyes, Whom Gods Destroy, and Let That Be Your Last Battlefield. Here we go. Elan of Troyes, Season 3, Episode 13, Production Code 057, Original Air Date, December 20th, 1968, Directed by John Meredith Lucas, Written by John Meredith Lucas, Music Composed by Fred Steiner. Guest Cast include Franz Nguyen as Elan, Jay Robinson as Ambassador Petri, Tony Young as Crichton, Lee Duncan as Evans, Victor Brandt as Watson, K.L. Smith as Klingon Captain, Dick DeRock as Guard 1, Charles Beck as Guard 2, Eddie Paskey as Lieutenant Leslie, Frank DeVinci she is transporter operator William Blackburn as Lieutenant Hadley and Roger Holloway as Lieutenant Limley. The Enterprise arrives at planet Travoyas, the outermost world in the Talillian system, to pick up Ambassador Petri, a green-skinned, white-haired Trojan. He is then taken to Elias, the innermost planet, to pick up the Dolmanian Alien, a beautiful but very demanding young woman who is a member of the Elysian royal family. The rulers of Elias and Trovius have mutually agreed to marry Elian to a royal of Trovius to secure peace before the two planets destroy each other. There are no more available, but if that's the only way you can get gratification, I'll arrange to have the whole room filled from floor to ceiling with breakable objects. I will not be humiliated. And act in a civilized fashion. I did not give you permission to leave. I didn't ask for any. Steve, why don't you kick us off on a lawn of choice? Your favorite, I think. Yes, this is my favorite piece of television ever. No, um... Yeah, so, I mean, we always tend to start with, oh, this is memorable, this is not memorable. I mean, this is, I remember this, I remember it, um, but I think in some way you remember all of the episodes. I just don't know if it's one of the more memorable ones. I often remember it um, as it kind of always reminds me of the Next Gen episode that, of course, came 20-some-odd years later that's very similar to it in some respects, um, which I think is better. Um there's, uh, I think this this is one of these that is kind of derivative of older works. It's obviously like a Taming of the Shrew kind of thing, and uh, it uh, kind of drags on. And there's also a lot of problematic content. You know, you question the notion of um, is this person is this a, a human bondage issue? There's some misogynist comments. Um, yeah, so you know, I, I'm not no, I'm not a big fan of this. I don't know that it's got a great deal to offer. I mean, there's some humorous, entertaining moments, but most episodes do have those. So that was that's my initial assess- assessment, I'd say. And Mr. Caesar, what's your initial assessment? Um, yeah, mine probably wouldn't be as be any better than Steve's. Um, I think Steve probably just dis- he sounds like he disliked it more than me. I didn't I didn't like hated or anything like that but yeah it's kind of not a very memorable episode i kind of felt like um to me <laughs> it felt more like a next gen episode for which is kind of weird because i feel like we saw a lot more of these in the next generation where you know these two warring worlds and you gotta take one to the other planet so it seems like i felt like i saw that a lot more in next gen um yeah it kind of drags 
at times. Like I said, I don't think I have anything more to add on it than what Steve said. Um, it does have a weird like uh, plot structure. Mm. Like it's not it's not very clear. You know, it starts off it's about one thing. You know, it's 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 about Alon, and you know we need to. I need a trainer, and then the I just need this ship people to be nice, and then it becomes Kirk's job. But then we got this whole Klingon thing that starts off as a B story, but become it like weaves itself more into the A, and then you can't tell what happened to the A, it, and then it goes back, and I, I found it. It felt like it was kind of. Um, almost random or, or meandering until it got to the end, you know, and, and then it, mm-hmm. it also, it, it changes tone in the same way, you know, um, it goes from, I don't know, some, some of the more offensive parts to, you know, the Taming of the Shrew type parts to, yeah, the other stuff that you were talking about that's maybe not so good, bondage kinds of things, it goes to spanking. I don't know how many episodes of the original series use the word spanking. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I'd be interested to to know that number. Yeah, it's interesting too because you know it's kind of like at first it feels a little bit like ooh is that a like a it's clearly you know it's a sexual thing he's like threatening something and there's an innuendo and then she kind of like oh tell me about the spanking like how does she even know about the spanking and how's this translator even working that word out and what are they <laughs> you know the nuances you know I don't know but. Yeah, it's, you're right. There is a lot going on. It almost feels like some kind of choose-your-own-adventure story, you know, oh. like ro- like or roll the dice and oh, now Klingons come in, you know, because because it, it's not. I don't know if you need all that stuff, yeah. and you throw in all that stuff, and yet it feel, still feels like it drags on and on. You know, yeah. you kind of like you kind of glaze over, sort of. It's like okay, this and now this and now, you know, I don't know. That, yeah, I mean, the Klingon stuff is almost forgettable. I mean, I yeah, I just remember that like because I didn't have it in my notes anywhere, and I just remember that when when Brian's, I was like, oh yeah, the Klingons were in this episode. I'm like, why? Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they wanted um yeah the necklace, the dilithium, ah, yeah, yeah. You know, these are so common on our planet, you know. Well, mm-hmm. they're so common. Why do they? You know. Well, that's the thing. Like in in Ilan, she seems very one dimensional at first. I have to say, I think the actress that played the character did a pretty good job mm-hmm. yeah yeah and she seems pretty one-dimensional but then she 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 becomes almost a different character a little bit a little bit and i mean this with the writing that uh, i'm not talking about the performance and then for a while you think oh maybe maybe there's a lot more to her mm-hmm. you know, maybe she's involved with this whole klingon thing or you know there's some kind of Probably would have been more interesting if it was like that mm-hmm. because she goes back yeah because this right after Kirk touched her tears, you know, and she knew he was in mm. love with her. Wasn't she like trying oh, to there's get that to, too? There's wasn't she, yeah, I mean, that's kind of silly, but I'll, I'll just table that for a second. But doesn't she like try to get him to like use the Enterprise to conquer the yeah. her enemy's world? So it kind of makes it seem like this she might have something to do with the Klingons, but then they just kind of drop that. I think it would have been actually more interesting if she was more devious, was like a real bad guy. Kirk says some line to her about what kind of a person would suggest such a thing, you know, assuming, presumably she's talking about killing millions or more of people, people or something. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't really go anywhere. That's, I, I don't know. It's, it's weird because now that we've said all of this, I'm going to say something surprising. I like this more than the last times I saw it. I remember really disliking this episode massively for most of my life. And maybe it's because I had such low expectations and 
this time I didn't hate it. Um, and I definitely, definitely remember hating this episode in years past. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it was good or that I even particularly liked it, but not hating it was a step up for me. <laughs> well, maybe, they, maybe, maybe in a weird way, that's a good thing that there's so much going on in this episode that you really don't know what direction they're going in. It just keeps you paying, it makes you pay attention. <laughs> Well, there's so much going on that it's you you can find something that you enjoy. Like I said, I enjoyed mm-hmm. her performance. I thought that moment near the beginning when she's pouting with the pillows, and, you know, that made me laugh. Like she slams her hands down in the pillow. Yeah. It was funny. So there there are things in here. I I I kind of like that that last little moment where hey, I don't know, maybe it's dumb, but you know, so Kirk has been infected with some kind of a virus or something. But McCoy sees that he's okay, and he's just going to have that, live with that forever. <laughs> I mean, that's an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Humans, humans have that, do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, honestly, after, I mean, you know, by the last fourth of the episode, he didn't seem too in love with her. I mean, he just kind of seemed more woozy, and but yeah, he didn't seem too attached to her towards the end. Yeah, it is a weird deal, really, and and you know, it's I I agree that the actress did a good job, and there is an arc of sorts, but it is a bizarre arc because it goes from, you know, angry, fiery, spirited, whatever, to completely submissive and anything you want, and we should be together yeah. thing, and it's I don't know that necessarily that that it's it's bad. It's it's just that it's like it's too much, and you don't understand the motivation for how that happened. Doesn't seem yeah, you realistic don't see how or whatever. It gets from A to B. Yeah. Like I said, she's suddenly a different person, but it's the writing. It's not her performance that she's suddenly a different. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if you if they had like dialed it back, dialed back the content of variables or something, however you want to put it, and uh, focused on some other thing, you know, maybe it could have been better because. You know, there's some there's some little nuggets here we're talking about. You know that if you uh, flesh that out better, maybe you had a better story and you could have have some real you know real here or something content. And that reminds me, talking about the writing. Uh, this is the only Star Trek episode. Did you guys notice that at the head? Mm-hmm. That it says written and directed by. Yeah. One person. It's the only Trek episode to do that. Yeah, it's interesting. Which is yeah, pretty surprising. I laughed whenever McCoy sees that Kirk had touched her tears, and McCoy says, "We're in trouble." <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> reminded me of that hilarious line in Star Trek VI, whenever they're on Rapunte in the prison, you know, and um, McCoy sees Kirk kiss kiss. Uh, yeah, like Marta, I can't remember her name. I think that's kiss right. Her, and then Kirk says. Still think we're finished? <laughs> McCoy says, more than ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I know that also kind of flies under the radar a little bit, but there's that one spot where they get before that uh, Klingon uh, operative or whatever is um, kills himself. Uh, you know, they basically, there's this implication that Kirk can order Spock to mind meld to interrogate somebody with it. It's yeah. like, mm, would he do that? Is that really, yeah. I don't think that's the first time. I think he's, or, he's, told Spock to do it before, but I think each time it's like, you know, it doesn't end up happening. If I remember correct. What's this episode about, gentlemen? Forbidden love of the tears. Mm. <laughs> um, 
this might I think be there's too many little things. It's it's really hard to. I mean, you could talk about a number of things it could yeah, be. I, mean, I don't you know, know that any of them are really I don't know, well done or fleshed out. Um, stepping up to the plate to you know you have to be responsible because I guess in the end she does end up going and marrying this guy and Kirk is responsible to his ship. He overcomes his um love lust to save the Enterprise. I don't know. Like it's it's yeah. It's hard to pin it down in this episode what they're really trying to say mm -hmm. or or um do. Well, I think that's as good as anything. You know what you said. It's just I think it'd be better if they were if it was more focused. You know. Right. That sounds like uh, by the standards of our podcast that this episode probably doesn't really hold up. Then. Not so well. It certainly does. You know, in a different way, it certainly does feel dated. And as you were talking about earlier, you know, in, in these. In the sense of, uh, shall we say, gender politics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So Steve hates it. Adam doesn't care for it, and I did not hate it. <laughs> well, and I, I don't. I mean, to be fair, to say I hate, I don't. I don't think it's quite that extreme, you know. But it's, it's Star Trek. It's like, uh, yeah. So it's a matter of degree here, right? Yeah. Will your daughter be watching this in five years? Mm, kinda, <laughs> kinda, I suppose anything's possible, but it would take a lot of explaining. <laughs> I did have a question for you, Brian. So, was there any kind of um, because this would have been considered an interracial. Was this would this be considered an interracial kiss? I don't know. Was there any uproar? I over guess. This was there but, any uproar over this episode? But you know, it's interesting because you know, last week we covered that. Last episode we covered that, and uh, there was the uh, you know I, you know I read that there's a lot of it's not really firmly established. I mean we all say that's the first network television you know interracial kiss, but there's a number of examples where people say is it really, and they can cite a few other possible things that people just don't talk about, and then you kind of have these obvious gray areas in a way you know I mean like okay how much of whatever nationality involved with whoever's doing the kissing and you know it's you know so i don't know we need um ethnicity percentages <laughs> just during the main credits whenever their names come up they could put that after the <laughs> <laughs> that would solve most of these mm. questions right right all right let's do six degrees for elan of Troyes. adam yes Whose quarters did Elan stay in? Lahora's. That's correct. Steve. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, uh, um, yes, these people didn't come back. I'm not giving you traditional six degrees. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, we saw Lahora's uh, quarters recently in an episode. And I believe at the time I said, do we ever see her quarters again? And here we go. This is the only other time. Uh, the last time we saw her quarters, we saw a ghosty Kirk materialize in her mirror named that episode. The Tholian web. Very good. One to one. Moving on. Whom Gods Destroy, Season 3, Episode 14, Production Code 071, Original Air Date, January 3rd, 1969, Directed by Herb Wallerstein, Story by Lee Irwin and Jerry Soule, Teleplay by Lee Irwin, Music Composed by Fred Steiner. Guest cast include Key Luke as Governor Donald Corey, Steve Enot as Fleet Captain Garth, Yvonne Craig as Marta, Gary Downey as Tellerite, Richard Geary as Andorian, Frank Da Vinci as Lieutenant Brent, William Blackburn as Lieutenant Hadley, and Roger Holloway as Lieutenant Limley.
The Enterprise carries a shipment of medicine to be used to cure patients on the planet Ibla 2, used by the Federation to house the criminally insane due to its poisonous surface conditions. Captain Kirk and Spock beam down with the shipment and meet the facility director, Donald Corey. He gives them a brief tour where one of the inmates, an Orion female named Marta, warns Kirk and Spock that Corey is not who they think he is. Garth, do you have to make him suffer like that? You will address me by my proper title, Kirk. I'm sorry, I should have said Captain Garth. I am Lord Garth, formerly of Izar, and I lead the future masters of the universe. I'm sorry, Lord Garth. You Earth people are a stiff-necked lot, aren't you? Whom gods destroy? Mr. Caesar, would you like to do start us off on this one? Whom gods destroy? Um, well, we've kind of seen this throughout the, um, not this exact episode, but we've kind of seen, you know, Kirk, one of his, you know, maybe not heroes, but, you know, maybe a legend that used to be in Starfleet, or, you know, just kind of this captain that was revered at one point, who's kind of gone bad, and, um, that's kind of this episode. It does it does have an interesting take on it. You have, you know, a mental institution. He's kind of got close to superpowers. You know, he can change his shape at will. Will, that was kind of, that was kind of strange to me. Yeah, that's handy. Huh? Yeah, mm. I mean, that was, you know, he's kind of a normal human who can, you know, change his shape at will. That was, was close to kind of Star Trek and, you know, blurring the lines between science fiction and fantasy. Um uh, it, it didn't bother me in the episode. I just thought it was peculiar because, yeah, you don't see that often in Star Trek where somebody has superpowers or a human has superpowers anyway. Um, I remember the episode. I don't consider it all that memorable. I would say it's kind of an average episode at best. I, I do like um, some of the back and forth between Kirk and um, um, his um, his hero. I think some of the ones I liked when him and Spock got into it was early on in the episode. You mean Kirk and Spock or Garth I mean, and Spock? Garth and Spock, yeah. Early on, they were talking logic, and he's like, "Let's get out." Um, yeah, that's those, that's kind of my first takes on it. Steve, your first take? Um, yeah, I do. I do think it's kind of a hodgepodge of a lot of things we've already seen before in a lot of ways. The mental institution, the uh, um, uh, someone that Kirk knew or knew of and kind of falling from grace. Um, the, uh, you know, even some of the, the outfits or, you know, it's like, oh, they reuse that from that one. And, oh, there's the Tholian web spacesuits and there's the, you know, let's use, here's an Andorian and Tellerite and an Orion, you know, and that's fine. Um, but I don't know that it, it is something that's kind of a, just kind of goes and goes and goes. And it's one of these, again, that I feel has pacing issues because it feels a bit, and there's some, the the whole premise of this uh, setting up this chess code thing it's really convenient they did that right before this oh, mission yeah. and they never do it again it's a little silly you know um, I certainly remember it I remember Garth and the whole you know all this kind of stuff it is interesting getting a little bit of uh, Trek lore and um, information and yeah, uh, back in this you, yeah what happened are. historically yeah yeah that's that's interesting and um, yeah. We could see this character in Discovery. But, you know, yeah, theoretically, it could be mentioned, yeah. Right, because Discovery is 10 years before this, and Axanar happened 15 years before this, so maybe he's, you know, not nuts at that point. Right, yeah. But So Discovery would be five at, five years after Axanar. Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing I thought. I was like, yeah, we could see this guy in Discovery, because, you yeah. 
Maybe his maybe his fall from grace will be a more interesting story than um, his insane asylum. Character. You know, of course, there was that completely unofficial X and R right. fan project that really wasn't exactly a fan thing. But uh, I won't get into that on our podcast. <laughs> I know people have strong feelings one way or the other about that whole situation. I certainly do. But uh, uh, you know, the the point there is that. Garth of Izar, Iz- yeah, Izar, and the Battle of Axanar and all that has uh, certainly provided um, a lot of food for thought for Star Trek fans over the years. Even the way that his ability to suddenly transform, morph into other people or whatever, even the way that's used, which, I mean, it's not explained at all. There's like one throwaway right. line at the beginning. But even the way it's used... In the end, it just we we get scenes that we feel like we've seen before, like yeah, you know, when Spock has to pick between the two Kirks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were you mentioned Star Trek Six um, when we we're talking about yeah, that reminded me of Star Trek. You know, you know when he has to fight himself there. Oh yeah, <laughs> I can't believe I kissed you. It must have been your lifelong ambition. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. <sighs> I feel like this episode's it's got that one thing going for it. Garth is an interesting character. He's played well. His interactions with Spock and Kirk are interesting. But they don't really seem to have a lot more than a scene or two worth of that. And then we're just spinning our wheels. And yeah, it kind of drags again, there. Midway. Yeah, it's yet another episode that feels like the budget cuts of season three. You know, I mean, it's just a downward spiral thing, folks. Like, they, they cut the budget, and now you have to write simpler scripts that don't go as many places, that sort of thing. And then you make start making those episodes, and then people feel down about it. The, the ratings are probably going to go down even more because it's less interesting, and then the people working on it are less interested, and you have people like Bob Justman leaves the show either this episode or maybe the last battlefield around around here sometime you know robert justman leaves uh because he's just getting sick of working on this dying show and the network's doesn't the network doesn't care i've read about how leonard nimoy this has been reported in lots of things over the years you know this episode leonard nimoy sent notes saying hey this is super similar to uh Oh, what's the other mental institution one? Um, you know, uh, and he sent those notes to immediate producers, sent them to network. No, nobody cared. At this point, nobody seems to care. Uh, you know, so it's just this downward spiral. And I completely respect and give props to people like Nimoy and Shatner who give it 100% until the last minute of the last day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm i not sure I would uh, have that level of professionalism in me. <laughs> you know, it was also interesting, you know, we haven't, I, I can't recall seeing this note, you know, where it's just kind of a Kirk Spock episode, you know, where McCoy's, you know, they basically just have McCoy standing on the bridge next to Scotty the whole, the whole show. I mean, and, you know, I was thinking, you know, this might be, they could have used this character because it's a mental institution. They're bringing medicine down, but I don't know. I don't know if that had anything to do with budget cuts or whatnot. But yeah, 
They probably could have used another person down there to kind of fill in the time. I don't know why, but Garth and Marta reminded me of, like, the Joker and Harley Quinn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought of that, too. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, there's just not a lot. There's not a lot to this episode once you get past that, you know, the one scene. Like, if you, you, you could describe this entire episode by describing one scene of this episode. That's what it feels like. And that is that sort of thing really makes you feel every minute, and the pacing feels slow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really had to like pinch myself to stay awake during this episode. <laughs> I hate to say it. Yeah, yeah, because it it does drag in the very much in the middle. It just kind of drags on. It just seems like they kind of moved from room to room down there in that asylum. Has your opinion of this episode changed? Over the years, I think my opinion of this episode has probably gone down a little bit over the years. I don't know. I think it's kind of just always, I've kind of always thought of it as kind of eh, and it's always just eh. I mean, it's it's just, it's pretty yeah. relatively poor and it's just con- consistently poor. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really that, I mean, you know, once I, you know, the first five minutes, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this episode. Um, But I think I even, you know, I remembered it like, I was like, oh yeah, he's pulling them, but it's really not a very memorable episode. I mean, I wouldn't call it a terrible episode. I mean, you know, we just kind of discussed a lot of the reasons why um, the quality of the shows went down. I mean, you know, and I think um, I I agree with you, Brian. You know, you I still respect these episodes because, you know, Kirk, I mean, William, there's no drop-off in William Shatner or Leonard Nimoy or any of the other actors. And I'm sure, I'm, you know, I'm sure the writers probably did the best they could with what they had to work with at the time so i mean i respect the effort that was put in there is just a lot you know it's just a lot missing from some of these episodes in the third season quality wise compared this episode to the to a lot of choice about the same one better than the other about the same i kind of these two episodes the first two episodes that we they're kind of the same to me they're not very memorable um you know i mean probably wouldn't be episodes that i you know would watch again. I mean, I mean, I don't want to say I'll never watch this episode again. I don't know. Who knows when I'll sit down and watch the whole series again. But, I mean, it probably, probably be one, you know, there's so many other good episodes you could watch. Right. It kind of feels just like kind of par for course season three stuff. You know, it's like, oh, here we are in the dog days of season three or something. You know, I mean, it's just like it just goes, you know. I mean, like I said, the, hi- the highlights of the episode are the performances, um, mm-hmm. you know. They're the performance. The actors on screen are, are giving it their all. So, I mean, you know, it's still, that still holds my interest watching, you know, Shatner and Nimoy and, you know, the you know the, the guy who played um, Goth. Yeah, Garth. I mean, you know. What's this episode about? I think they could have said a lot in this episode about the mentally ill. Um, I think they could have done a much better job talking about the mentally ill, but I think that's kind of what I came to at the end. You know, it's like, you know, there's a mental, you know, people who are mentally ill, they lose themselves and there can be ways to help them recover. I don't know. It's kind of what I had. What about you, Steve? Yeah, I really struggled to think of anything concrete here. Um, you could kind of imagine them going in certain directions with it. and uh, But... Um, Really, it's just too much of a, you know, it's just like a little game of how do we get out of this mess thing and not enough about 
what's what's underneath this character and you know you could you could have talked about garth and his history and seen under the surface more and what's made him this way and trying you know or something but there's just nothing it's just a kind of a you know silly bunch of silliness and um a puzzle sort of combined and so i didn't really have much this episode had uh, a funny something that made me think about you know, the who's that guy moment. So it had a terrible who's that guy. Oh, yeah. But normally when we have a who's that guy, I think, well, you know what? In 1967, <laughs> on a tiny little square black and white TV, which is what most people saw this thing on, they could not tell that that person looks nothing like so-and-so. or It's too small yeah. or whatever. Here, you literally have William Shatner standing with his back to the camera. And somebody who clearly is not William Shatner saying back to the camera. I think if it was if it was three inches wide, I would yeah. be able to tell that. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh huh. So that's this that this episode is unique, and then it's the first time that I, I I could picture, uh, you know, some little six-year-old kid in 1966 turning to his mom and saying, "Who's that guy?" Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think my laugh out loud moment of this episode, and it's you know thinking back on it, it's really not that funny. It's kind of sad in a way. It's like you know when Spock has the phaser on the two of them, and he like kind of awkwardly turns around to move the chair so he could sit in it, and that's when one of the Kirks you know knocks the phaser. I'm just like it was just so lame and forced. It made me laugh out loud. It's like you you probably think of Leonard Nimoy's probably like, God, this is terrible. I have to like try and figure out like Spock's this dummy would actually turn his back on these two guys and pull the chair out. You yeah, can just so see it on his face. <laughs> that scene, as written, was um, Spock asking questions of the two Kirks and using his brain to figure out which one was not the real Kirk. And like on the day, the director said, "No, let's do this with action," and made it up. <laughs> Yeah, you, prior planning prevents piss poor performance. I believe that's the. Uh... <laughs> All right, let's do. Six degrees for whom gods destroy. Our score is one, two, one. Steve. Mm-hmm. Richard Geary plays the Andorian inmate. He previously played a security officer in three episodes. I want you to tell me which season each one of these episodes was from. Wink of an eye. Oh, like now? Yep. The third. Day of the Dove. Um, I'm not sure on that. Third? Yep. Is there in truth no beauty? Hmm. Second? No. Uh, it was also three. It was kind of a trick question. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I don't know. Should oh, I so what you... does he get? Like two thirds of a point? That seems to. That would. Be... I would round up then. Yeah, I'd, I'd give right. him. Yeah, that's a three-parter. That was kind of hard. I would give him right, a full yeah, point. You get the point. Uh, Adam Yvonne Craig plays Marta, the happy green poet. She was most famous for playing what character on the Batman series of the '60s? Um, she did that before this show, I believe. Yes. I don't know. Harley Quinn episode. What are you? That was. That's got to be a joke answer, right? I'm not that familiar with the 60s. Harley Quinn was created for Batman the Animated Series oh, okay. in the 90s. Catwoman, then. No, uh, no. Steve? Uh, Batgirl? Yep, Batgirl. 
Alright, Steve has three, Adam has one, moving on. Let That Be Your Last Battlefield, Season 3, Episode 15, Production Code 070, Original Air Date, January 10th, 1969, Directed by Judd Taylor, Story by Lee Cronin, Teleplay by Oliver Crawford, Music Composed by Fred Steiner. Guest cast include Frank Gorshin as Commissioner Beale, Lou Antonio as Loki, and William Blackburn as Lieutenant Hadley. The Enterprise is on a mission to help a planet when sensors track a Federation shuttlecraft reported stolen from Starbase 4. The craft is brought aboard along with its strange alien pilot who was found injured and taken to sickbay. The man later awakens and identifies himself as Loki, a political refugee from the planet Sauron. Loki's most striking feature is his skin is half black and half white. The two have split perfectly down the center of his body. The obvious visual evidence, Commissioner, is that he is of the same breed as yourself. Are you blind, Commander Spock? Well, look at me. Look at me. You're black on one side and white on the other. I am black on the right side. I fail to see the significant difference. Loki is white on the right side. All of his people are white on the right side. Let that be your last battlefield. Here's another example of, you know, an episode with such a simple but clear premise that I totally understand why it has been kind of a, you know, another go-to episode because you can so quickly show how Star Trek used metaphors and things like that and just like with a quick still or just that line how many how many little documentaries have I seen that moment with Frank Gorshin and his Beale saying are, are you blind he's white on the right side all of his people are white on the right side you know mm-hmm. but um, don't let the fact that it is maybe even overused <laughs> uh, to show off the way um, Star Trek tried to deliver a message hold you back from thinking that it's good or something because you know it's not it's not it's all for a reason <laughs> I, I think this episode's pretty pretty solid you know it's got it's got its problems like especially some of these same kind of third season episode problems that we've talked about i think it holds up pretty darn well uh steve what are some of your first thoughts and let that be your last battlefield yeah i think i think it's um i think it's one of the, it's it's everything you said it's it's kind of Everyone knows this. Everyone's seen all the images from it. Everyone knows the premise and so on. Um, the most it, it is. I think I do think it's good. Um, I do think there's some there's some details that probably could have been worked out where it would have made it more um, interesting and in depth and paced better. But I do think it's a good episode. Um, there, of course, the frequent criticism of it that it's heavy-handed um, in terms of it's so obvious what they're doing that it's um absurd you know um and i can definitely see that um but it's also hard to judge that um when we didn't live in that time i mean i I don't know what it would have felt like to see that and see the message and and feel what okay i I know where they're going with this and how heavy-handed do you have to be to get it across you know i i don't know and so that's kind of a question mark you know for 1969 what people would have thought of that and how it would have been, you know, received. But I, I do think it's a good episode. It's certainly a memorable episode. It's one of those kind of touchstones and 
uh, for as um, lackluster on the whole as season three is, I do think it's one of the higher points. Adam? Yeah, it's interesting. We were just talking about in the last episode, you know, how, you know, you know funding was cut and people are, are leaving because, you know, the writing's pretty much on the wall that um, Star Trek is, is not going to be back for a fourth season. And um, I do believe that this episode has has some flaws and probably could have been a little bit better. But I mean, you know, it's what, you know, it, it's kind of, I think it was kind of the point that we were, that we were making the last episode. They still kind of put all their, all of it in, into each episode. And in this episode, it's obviously got a clear and easy definition of what it's about and what they're trying to say. Um, and um, it's, it's a, it's a really good Star Trek episode. Um, definitely one of the better ones in the third season. Um, you know, it's, it, you know, in the back in the, you know, was this 1968 when this episode came out or was it 69? 69 when it aired. When it aired. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you had, um, there were a lot of, um, assassinations that took place in this, um, period of time. Um, so, you know, the, the notion that it's kind of goo- you know, it's kind of in your face, but not in your, but kind of goofy, you know, the half white, half black. I mean, I kind of think they probably had to be mindful that they couldn't just really fully take on, you know, race, racial issues um, with where the country was at at the time. I mean, you know, there were right, you know, there was a lot going on in the '60s, um, not only the war, but you know, a lot of racial things going on. So, I, I think for the time that this episode came out, it made a lot of sense to kind of take this kind of direction that they went. Um, I don't think you'd see that choice made today, just because you know, life and times today are, are different. The funny part is, uh, yes, it, it's it's a little heavy-handed, but obviously there were people in 1969 who did not realize they were trying to point out how <laughs> how silly prejudice can be. Mm-hmm. The funny part to me is that I assure you they could play this episode today. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. And there would be a lot of people that would not get it, you know. Yeah, unfortunately. I do think it's, you talk about the scene with um, Frank Gorshin making that statement, and the reaction is so funny, especially Nimoy. It's kind of this, I mean, it stops short of an eye roll, you know, but it's kind of this, uh, you know, you feel like <laughs> what you feel is this exasperation, even though it's not, a, you know, it's very subtle, you know, this kind of when, when it comes yeah, across. It's not, the, until, it's not until Beale says the line about, you know, Yes. Black on the right side. Okay, what? Because up to up until he says that, I you know Kirk and Spock they live in a time when, right? They really truly do not. They do not understand. True. They do not get it. They do not understand until he says that, and then there can be like the eye roll. And then, oh, he's right, 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 right. Up until then, they're like, we don't get it. What? What's the difference? What are you talking about? You know? Yes, and it's, it's like I said, it's so well played. It's subtle. They don't like literally roll their eyes like, oh my god, you know. But but it somehow it comes across even though they don't do it. It's like, oh boy, you know, here we go with this, you know. <laughs> Spock. <laughs> Buck could have turned to Kirk and they could have had a little side conversation about, well, you see, back in the 20th, there were these racists. I would have enjoyed enjoyed this line from Kirk or or Shatton. Like, well, you two look the same. They all look the same. Because they have that look at like, well, what's the difference between you two? But uh, yeah, it's clearly... (laughs) You know what? I, I I think Kirk and Spock are the racists. Because they're they're saying to Beale, you guys look alike to me. 
What, what did he call them? Mo- mono skins or monotones? Mono, yes, monotones or whatever. Uh, as a Star Trek Three nut, I've talked many times about Star Trek Three being my favorite Star Trek movie, and you know, in some ways, my favorite moment of Star Trek, and having my favorite scene in cinema history and during the stealing of the Enterprise. Boy, do I I get goosebumps during the destruct sequence because it's you know it's exactly mm. the same. Destruct yeah, yeah, sequence yeah. one, code one, one eight. I know all the I know all the lines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I love that bit. I really do. And they do some that like it's fun too. There's like those close ups of their eyes, you know. Mm-hmm. I like to zoom in on the red alert. Yeah, I don't. I do not like this <laughs> the, like... <laughs> that nutty well, squeak let, zoom let me... in and out of the red alert sign. It's cheesy. Well, that... Let me let me correct myself. I I didn't mean to say I liked it. I just noticed it. It was kind of like, <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing there? No, it's funny. Can you can you imagine those quick little zoom in and out on the red red alert sign? What if that was something they did the whole series? I honestly think there wouldn't have been spinoffs and we wouldn't be talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> that was the make or break moment. Yeah. Yep, I think so. Uh. <laughs> oh yeah, that was kind of a uh, kind of an interesting thing. Um, Loki off giving these philosophical speeches to people in, you know, the rec room or whatever, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. And they never really go with that, but it's kind of like, and then Spock, you don't really know what he's thinking about it. You know, he's kind of checking it out and it's kind of, like, oh, this is interesting. This kind of thing's going on, you know. I didn't quite get that sequence really. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think it was? Well, I mean, I, I wonder if they're trying to, uh, trying to throw in a little bit of, um, the the notion that the rebellious kind of there's there's some kind of injustice going on and this guy is you know speaking about it and is passionate about it and and uh, you know it's a little bit in its own way it's a little bit anti-establishment and I don't know if they were trying to convey that Spock is pondering is this important that the crew is taking this in kind of thing you know um, or not or is it good or what you know I mean. Well, then why play it the way they did, where he's he's listening in, they don't know he's listening in, we never go into the room. Yeah, it almost feels like one of those things that uh, you either need to cut the scene or add some other scene, because you, you don't, it's, it's it's kind of a curiosity. I mean, I made a note of it, but you don't know what the, what's the point. Well, that's a good point, actually. So this episode, they didn't have room to cut anything, I don't think, because... You know, this episode came up short in mm. the editing room, and that's why they have that extended, like, running through the corridors, showing the, you know, the cities on fire with, with the cross dissolves and all that. That does seem like it kind of goes on for 10 years. Mm-hmm. But I actually, I, I do like that sequence. It just goes on for too long. But I, I think it's kind of an interesting, like, surreal kind of thing. Um, it just goes on too long but the only reason they added all that was because the episode came up short so they certainly couldn't have cut the, the spot mm-hmm. that he's dropping bit you know what other scene that went on too long but it didn't bother me because it reminded me of Star Trek 3 was the self-destruct sequence where they all had to go through the codes yeah I talked about that a minute ago yeah I'm sorry I'm just reiterating mm-hmm but you can talk about it now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I just thought it was a little, you know, I kept thinking, yeah, the, you know, it's probably even longer than the Star Trek three scene. Um, but yeah, it went on a little bit, probably went on a little bit too long, but I, I still enjoyed it. 
No, no, I love every second of it. I would not want it to be any show. <laughs> I mean, if if it was a really meaty episode that had a whole lot going on, filled it up, you know, you wonder if they would have made that as long as it was. But you know, I mean, for for it being lengthy, it does it does work fine. Yeah, you know, the drama. I also ha- I have to point out I really think Crank Gorshin is a incredible actor. Mm, He's yeah. up there in the top. I don't know, five guest stars of this entire series for me. I, I, he's that amazing. He's really, really good. It's kind of sad, actually, because I think the other guy, the guy playing Lokai, in a normal episode, he would have been good, but nobody can stand up next to Frank. Right, Bush. right. I think even, you know, Shatner can do it, and Nimoy can do it, and that's like it. Mm-hmm. Do you know where, unless you're going to ask it in a question coming up here, do you know where the footage they is from that they used with the whole devastated? Yes, I do. Okay. It, it is, and no, it's not a question. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's World War Two. It's all World War Two, like European cities. Okay. After after they after they've been bombed. Right, like like Germanians probably, or do you know, or that I don't recall, but. Right, it's, it's at the end of the war, so probably Germany, yeah. Because I've seen, I I kind of figured it was stuff like that. I I've seen the, the footage of um, like some cities in Germany and some cities in Italy that were that looked like that. But yeah, what's this episode about? Well, there's a lot of um, you know, race issues. You know, like equality between races. You know, if, if just because you're a different color doesn't mean you're less of a person. That's the you know the obvious things um, that I think come out of this episode. You know, classes, you know, you could you could call it, I mean, class, you know, higher classes or better than lower classes, races, these races are better than that races. So it, it confronts you with these types of questions. I think kind of towards the end, it also kind of talks about, um, um, you know, the um, the annihilation of, of a world, you know, that kind of was going around, you know, nuclear holocaust, that kind of thing, destroying your society because you can't um, get along. So I think there's some elements of that, but those are kind of towards the um, the end of the episode. Yeah, that, that's a good point you bring that up because we didn't really talk about that aspect of it because it's easy to kind of forget about that when you talk because of all the prejudice sides. But, you know, their entire civilization is totally devastated. Um, so is this the kind of thing, you know, how does that relate to to the the themes of the episode and that's what you're starting to get at there yeah yeah i think so i think that although we could you know it's it's been argued several times that this can this is heavy-handed i think you put it in context and this is about racism this is about how the absurdity of it in a way it starts off that it's i mean you know we we mentioned the scene with uh gorshin making that statement and there was the reaction and that it's all it's kind of an absurd thing it's kind of like oh man this is so stupid you know and that and you get this kind of thing but then you kind of turn that on its head and it's like okay so they, they go at war because of the go to war because of this and their entire civilization is wiped out so this is this is for real this is serious you know so it's, it makes it even kind of a it makes it even heavier it makes it like and I, I think the message is that not only is this absurd, it can lead to dire, uh, devastating consequences if you go down this track. It's it's such a waste of everyone's. It's a waste of. It's a waste. It's a huge waste to focus in on that because you end up. You, not only do you have the, the the typical kind of conversation around this in terms of people's, 
human rights being violated, but you know it can you know in this case of this fictitious situation, it led to absolute devastation of a civilization. So I think that's that's how the gravity of it, you know. Right. So it gives it this. So it goes from being well, you know, prejudice is silly to giving it this this very serious weight. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's do six degrees for Let That Be Your Last Battlefield. Uh, Adam made it very clear last time that he never watched the old Batman show. So I will give this to Steve. (laughs) Steve, Frank Gorshin plays Beale. He was most famous for playing what character on the Batman series? And the Riddler. Thank you. Uh, Adam, the self-destruct sequence in this episode is recreated in Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. In this episode... Spock gives the second set of commands right after Kirk. Who follows Kirk in the future? And I'll give you a hint. It was not Spock. <laughs> he was not on the ship. Um, well, Chekhov gave, um, gave the codes in Star Trek Three, but did he go third, or was it Scotty who went second? That's the question. I'm going to say Scotty went second. You are correct. It was Scotty. Uh, all right, so Steve takes it for the day, but not by much. How many how many episodes in season three do we have left that are of the let that be your last battlefield uh, quality level? Was that is, our last? Is, is this a trivia question? <laughs> no. <laughs> Zero. Was that, Zero. Was that our war? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm just asking. Is that our last pretty great episode? Uh, I'd, I'd have to look for sure. I'm not optimistic about that point, but um, I, I could have forgotten something. Who else makes an appearance? We see Alfred and Robin coming up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Oh, Savage Curtain. That's going to be up there. Mm, fun. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's not much else left. Okay, well, you know. Cloudminders, that one was all right. Okay, folks, uh, we've only got a few episodes of our podcast left before we finish out the original series. Um, and as a reminder, we're going to be doing the animated series after that. And I think we're going to structure that to do f- to discuss four episodes apiece so that we can finish that up by the end of the year. So... You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash trekcompanion. And our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion, where uh, Adam Caesar promises to tweet more. (laughs) 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 I don't know why. Tweet, tweet. So thank you very much, folks, for spending an hour with us. We love you. And we look forward to coming back in two weeks to discuss the next three episodes of Star Trek, the original series. And until then, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. I passed it.